the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To try for free. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is. The Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free-for-all Friday, the fifth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. And as the first Friday in the month, it is, of course, Jobs Day. So here's what I want to know from you. Do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first? Both of them, by the way, do not have to do with the jobs report. One of them does. See, here's the thing. I've got something really good to say about the president and uh, his job performance, which uh, should be a surprise to no one. But I've also got something negative to say about uh, the president's job performance. And usually when I say anything negative about the president, <clears throat> a certain segment of the audience uh, sticks its fingers in, in its ears and squeezes its eyes uh, uh, tightly shut and starts humming, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this. They get mad at me because they dare because I dare to point out goods and bads and talk about things that we need to do to get better. So you want the good news first or the bad news first? Um, I'm going to go ahead, since I can't hear you at the moment, and give you the good news first. The good news does indeed have to do with those jobs. After what was um, can only be described as an anemic jobs report on the first Friday of, of the month of March, looking back to February, um, which was really surprising because of the incredibly strong jobs growth we have had under President Trump, it was really weird. Most of us thought last month was an aberration, uh, and it was because we are back with a full with full force and full speed ahead. Hiring in the U.S. economy up 196,000 jobs in the month of March. That's the good news. In fact, that is great news. There is no other way to describe that. So let's give that what it deserves. (laughs) 
job creation continues to improve, not just any old job creation, not Obama-era job creation of low-wage service sector jobs, part-time jobs, but full-time jobs with higher wages continuing to rise, manufacturing jobs that Barack Obama said Donald Trump would need a magic wand to make happen. To bring those jobs back. What does he have a magic wand? And all President Trump did would say, sit there and say, ta-da, waving the wand, and here we are. Um, so after a very, very kind of low February total, we're back in business with 196,000. Very, very encouraging uh, in uh, in this country right now, and our economy continues to remain strong. The flush of new jobs is only going to increase that. That is fantastic. So that's good. And by the way, I'll give you even more good news. Some of the specifics within the 196,000 job creation and the 3.8% jobless rate that maintained at that very low level, there's some good news inside of that. Unemployment rate remains unchanged, 3.8%. White unemployment rate ticked up to 3.4%. Black unemployment rate dropped from uh, to 6.7%, from 7%. Uh, Asian unemployment rate to 3.1%, unchanged. Hispanic unemployment rate up to 4.7%. The U6 is 7.3%, unchanged. Long-term unemployment, 21.1% of the unemployed. You hear certain numbers within the uh, overall jobless rate of 3.8%, and some of it just makes you, uh, uh, you know, double, you know, do a double take. Black unemployment is down from 7% to 6.7%. 6.7%. It continues to be the lowest black unemployment rate in the history of recording this. Literally, since they started recording unemployment rates, it has never been better for African Americans to get work, substantial work, well-paying jobs, than it is right now in the Trump economy. During the presidency of Barack Obama, the first black president, black unemployment was more than double that. It was in the double digits, and it was in the mid-double digits, around 15 16%. I want you to consider that. What did the first black president do for black American workers? Nothing. What did Donald Trump, what has Donald Trump, the man that Democrats like to call racist, the man that Democrats say doesn't care about the plight of the black community, the man that the Democrats and the media like to call white supremacist, white nationalist, dog-whistling all kinds of things about how bad black people are. None of it's true, of course. Not a lick. Not a single word of it is true. And while all of those lies are being told, the president continues to go out there and help establish policy along with his Congress in the first two years, uh, establish policies, deregulating businesses, bringing manufacturing jobs back, and watching all Americans go back to work, including and especially black Americans, whose unemployment rate has dropped so precipitously it's hard really to quantify since the Obama presidency to the Trump presidency. So that is just some of the very, very good news regarding the, the jobless situation. Now, i got to go to the bad news. 
And I'm sorry, you can get mad at me if you want, but this is bad news. This is inexplicable, to be quite honest with you. The President of the United States has decided to back off. The President, who threatened to close the border for all of the right reasons because of the incredibly dangerous emergency and crisis that we all agree, well, all of us who are not liberal Democrats, who are lying to the people, calling it a fake crisis, calling it an imaginary crisis. Everyone else understands it's an emergency and it's a crisis. Even former Obama uh, Department of uh, Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson says this is absolutely a crisis. The president, just a few short days ago, was all ready to shut it down. Mick Mulvaney explained why. We need border security, and we're going to do the best we can with what we have. The Democrats will not give us any additional money to do this. They won't give us any additional people. And importantly, they will not change the law that is acting as this giant magnet for people from South and Central America to come into this country. Faced with those limitations, the president will do everything he can. If closing the ports of entry mean that, that's exactly what he intends to do. I loved that from Mick Mulvaney a couple of days ago. I played it. I supported it. I applauded it. I would continue to if it was still the policy today. But it's not the policy today. Today, the President of the United States has backed off not once but twice. And just so you don't make any get any misunderstandings, um, he's not going to go back on this next week and say we're closing the border. He's giving Mexico a full year to do something to stop the flow of people from inside their country to inside our country. A year, the president says. If the drugs don't stop, Mexico can stop them if they want. We're going to tariff the cars. The cars are very big. And if that doesn't work, we're going to close the border. But I think that'll work. That's massive numbers of dollars. So if we don't see... Uh, people apprehended and brought back to their countries. If we see these massive caravans coming up to our country right through Mexico, coming right through Mexico, like nothing. Buses are even given to them. The last three days, it hasn't happened since I said we're closing the border. The only thing, frankly, better but less drastic than closing the border is to tariff the cars coming in. And I will do it, just like you, you know I will do it. I don't play games. I'll do it. So we're doing it to stop people. We're going to give them a one-year warning. And if the drugs don't stop or largely stop, we're going to put tariffs on Mexico and products, in particular cars. The whole ballgame is cars. So the president is going to give them a year to get their act together on the southern side of our border, assured border. A year. I want to remind you, that according to DHS figures and uh, uh, budget patrol uh, uh, figures, uh, 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 not budget, excuse me, border patrol, uh, customs and border patrol enforcement figures, 100,000 illegal app, uh, uh, apprehensions of illegals happened in the month of March. According to DHS projections, there could be one million illegal border crossings in the next calendar year. In fiscal year 2019, rather. I want you to think about that. One million more illegals in a year. And the president says, we're going to give them that year. 
if after a year the drugs haven't slowed down on their march into the United States, if after a year the human trafficking hasn't been cut down, if after a year Mexico isn't doing something to strengthen their own borders and to stop the Central American refugees from coming in and using, uh, me- uh, using Mexico as essentially a bridge to get to the United States, if after a year, yeah, then we'll close the border. Holy goodness gracious. What happened to the president's commitment to stopping illegal immigration? What happened to the threat to close the border because it's an emergency? The president of the United States just undermined the president of the United States. He literally just undercut his own argument. He has declared this to be an emergency. And he's right. It is. But an emergency means what? Give us a loose dictionary definition of the word emergency. It is something that is very dangerous on an immediate scale. Something that is, it it has to be dealt with promptly. An emergency is something that absolutely cannot be ignored and put off. I'm giving you a very loose colloquial definition. I'm not reading from a a dictionary, obviously. But think about that. That's what an emergency is, something we've got to deal with right now. So on one day, the president's declaring this to be an emergency, and the next day he's saying, we'll give them a year to fix it. Wait, what? This, this, this policy, this immigration policy that the president has established here is completely without consistency, completely, quite frankly, clueless. How can we be sending administration officials out to the media declaring emergency and crisis and then saying, not going to act on this crisis for a year? Congress isn't going to do anything to change the laws. You know that. Is the president prepared to listen to Brandon Judd? If the president listens to Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council, okay, maybe we've got a conversation to be had here. Maybe that will make the need to shut the border down uh, unnecessary. But he hasn't given any indication uh, of doing that. Brandon Judd, by the way, in case you did not recognize uh, or, or remember, rather, uh, recall what I talked about earlier this week, Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council, has the answer, as far as I'm concerned and a lot of other people are concerned, to the massive numbers of illegals flowing into this country, turning themselves in to Border Patrol and other officials, and then using the magic words, I am claiming political asylum. I have a credible fear for my life in my country. You have to let me in. And then, by the way, the laws are are, are written. They're right. They have to be let in until they have a hearing, a deportation-slash-asylum hearing in front of a trained asylum um, judge. It doesn't have to be a judge, literally, as in a black-robed judge. It has to be uh, uh, an expert in asylum law. And these people are simply overwhelmed. That's why these people are just claiming the uh, that they uh, are, are seeking political asylum, and then they're turned loo- turn loose because 
the overwhelming you know factor here in terms of the numbers means that they're not going to have to appear before that asylum judge for two to five years. So Brandon Judd has the answer. He's the president of the National Border Patrol Council, and he said, let's train U.S. Border Patrol agents as asylum judges. Let's train them. Give them the actual licensure to make those calls, and they can administer credible fear interviews to illegal border crossers that are caught immediately. And then if there is no credible fear proven by the illegal border crosser, they are automatically turned around and escorted in the opposite direction, back to the other side of the border. Nope, you're done. And as Brandon Judd pointed out, and we covered on this program, yes, somebody who claims asylum and is turned away because they cannot prove credible fear does have an appeal, a right to an appeal according to our laws. But that appeal must be heard within 10 days. Now they're going to literally own, and they can be detained for all 10 days. They can be detained even if they have children. They can be detained. Because the law says they can't detain children for more than 20 days. Now they have to have an appeal within 10 days. And now with a whole bunch of new trained asylum judges in the form of border personnel or border patrol personnel, they can get their hearing within 10 days, not within two to five years, and be turned around immediately. This is the way to go. This is what a lot of people in Washington are saying could be our answer. Question is, is does the president know about this? I don't know. But I am very, very concerned about the president's flip-flop, his 180-degree turn away from border security to, well, I'll shut him down in a year if I have to. Let's give them a year to figure it out. How many drugs, traffickers, gang members, violent criminals can come across a border in a year's time when we aren't doing anything to secure it? Wow, it's 924. I went really long in the first segment. My apologies to you. We'll take a time out here. Let's get, uh, uh, let's get moving. We'll get check your traffic and come right back. Or actually, not going to check traffic, but we will come right back after this on AM 1420. The answer. Hey, Josh, if I lose the. The answer. Now heard. Through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. Five. All right, coming up on the uh, bottom of the hour news in just a minute, but uh, I want to let you know where we are. Got some very, very good and important guests coming up today. In the 10 o'clock hour, uh, Christiana Holcomb is going to be joining us. She's an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, and she is defending the Lyceum, the story we told you about yesterday, the Lyceum School, the Catholic school in South Euclid uh, against uh, the city of South Euclid in a lawsuit they filed to stop the city from uh, imposing an ordinance that would essentially erase the Christian and Catholic doctrine at that school. So Christiana Holcomb will be joining us to uh, talk about that. Also in the second hour, East Lake Police Chief Lawrence Reich will be joining us to talk about um, the case that has everybody talking. 
uh, 20-year-old found a 17-year-old committing a sexual assault against a 5-year-old, um, beat that 17-year-old, and now has been arrested and charged with assault for doing so. A lot of people feel like he should not be charged. We'll talk to the chief about that, but coming up directly after the news, Anthony Gonzalez, representative of Ohio's 16th Congressional District, will talk about the president's decision on the border and more coming right up after this on AM 1420. All right, 9.35 now, the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to bring our first guest onto the program today. It's always good to get a chance to talk to Ohio's 16th congressional uh, district uh, congressional representative, Anthony Gonzalez. Representative Gonzalez, good to have you back on the air, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much. I um, I'm a little just a little uh, distraught today, though, to be quite honest with you. I was um, I was very encouraged by what I heard from the White House uh, over the course of the last four or five days as the president and uh, his advisors and his leader, his uh, senior administrators, all talked about what we're going to do about this crisis at our border. And you and I have talked about this. It is a crisis. It is an emergency. It's not manufactured or fake the way the Democrats say. And the president said, uh, if the Congress won't do anything, that's you. If they, you guys won't do anything to change the laws the, uh, that are a magnet for people to come here with respect to the asylum claims and so on and so forth, then I'm going to shut the whole border down. Legal ports of entry and all, and we're going to spread all of those agents out wrong along the, uh, the border, and we're going we're gonna to stop them however we have to. And now, of course, yesterday the president said, nah, I'm going to give them a year. I'm going to give Mexico a year to figure things out on their end before I close any borders. I was very disappointed to hear that. What's your reaction, Congressman? Well, I think, uh, first off, he's he's right on what actually needs to happen, right, which is that the legislative branch, uh, the one that I'm in, needs to actually fix this. Uh, yeah. the, the goal should be for us to legislate this out. Uh, and unfortunately, despite uh, everybody's best efforts, uh, there's one side who's literally just denying this. I mean, it's like as if there's nothing happening down there. Um, and, you know, we've, we've done the work where we've, we brought Border Patrol in. We've talked to, to ICE officers, both at kind of a rank and file level and a leadership level, uh, and it's clear that uh, they are dealing with something that is awfully difficult, and we are simply not giving them the tools they need, either from a, a funding standpoint or from a legal standpoint, because, as you said, uh, the laws are, are a magnet, and you can even the New York Times is starting to report on that, which is actually shocking but um uh but but it's it's undeniable um and so it's it's just a matter of whether we have the will to fix it uh, and in the meantime you know I, I think i i do trust the president's read on on trying to work with the mexican government to see if they can help us out um but uh you know we'll see what happens because it's it is a mess down there yeah, and you know, I guess that's my my biggest frustration, Congressman, is that the president is asking a Mexican government that we have already been asking to help us out to do something they won't do, and that is to close their own border to stop these migrant caravans and even individuals from from you know just using Mexico as a conduit to the United States. I mean, they have they've provided them transportation for crying out loud. Uh, they have fed them along the way. I mean, they're just encouraging this and have been doing so for the better part of the last two years. So. So I, I guess my question is, is why would Mexico 
uh, be any more likely to to stop that flow uh, uh, now than they were over the last two years, other than perhaps what the president is threatening, which is a full-on trade war, slapping tariffs on automobiles and other Mexican imports to the United States. Well, I think you, you kind of hit on it, right? So the, I think there's there's two reasons why um, why a shift may have happened. And candidly, I wasn't in those discussions, so I'm I'm kind of analyzing it from the outside, if you will. But um, one, there is new leadership in Mexico, so there is a new administration there um, that wants to work with the president. They have, from my observation, they have been more forthcoming uh, and more productive in all negotiations, not just the border, but uh, but also on trade than the previous administration in Mexico. And so my, my guess is, and again, this is, I'm not in the administration, but my, my guess is that uh, the president has felt like there's been enough progress on some other items. Uh, they said, maybe maybe let me give this uh, this new administration a chance and see if we can get somewhere. Um, but uh, again, I the real thing that needs to happen is, is the legislature needs to fix it. I mean, that's just, we can talk about this all we want, but, but at the end of the day, at some point there will be a new president and if the legisl- if the Congress has not fixed the actual laws, we'll be right back to square one. So, I mean, uh, until that happens, um, we're we're kind of just hoping uh, for for something that the executive branch can or or can't do. I, don't I think that's s- wrong. What we what we want is for Congress to do it. I totally agree. Thank you very much. And apologies, I, I thought you were finished there. Um, uh, we're talking to uh, Anthony Gonzalez, uh, uh, Ohio's 16th Congressional District Representative. Um, I don't want to spring anything on you uh, if you haven't read it yet. If not, I'll summarize it for you. Have you read the op-ed written by Brandon Judd, the president of the Border Patrol Council? I have not. I have not read that. He, he wrote for the Washington Times something that I've been discussing for the last couple of days now. He wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times. Now, he's the president of the council. He is saying we don't have to rely on the legislative branch. The laws as they exist are good enough for us. And I'm going to give you just a very short piece of this. Uh, and he's saying we have to enforce the laws as they are, and we have to expand who can make these credible, clear, uh, credible fear uh, uh, analyses. Quote, the status only, or excuse me, the statute only says that it has to be an immigration officer that does the credible fear interviews. He said, so you can train Border Patrol agents to give credible fear interviews on the spot. If an individual fails a credible fear interview, that individual becomes subject to deportation immediately. Uh, that person does have appeals rights, but that appeal has to be heard within 10 days. Instead of waiting two to five years to deport somebody, we could deport people within 10 days if the credible fear interview is done on the spot. Um, I think that's brilliant. Uh, why, you know, because people are turning themselves into Border Patrol agents right now, knowing they're going to be told because of the, the, you know, word travels fast that you're going to be set free into the United States and they're going to tell you to come back in two, three, four, or five years. And if you disappear, you disappear. This will eliminate that completely. All we have to do is train the agents to, uh, to give those credible fear interviews. What do you think? Well, that sounds reasonable. I mean, I, I, I would have to look specifically at that law candidly this, this is the first i've heard that specific point made um but what i mean what based on what you read that sounds reasonable i don't know why why that wouldn't be happening um does he go into why that's not happening today well no he doesn't i, I mean i you know i think people are trying to think outside the box right now it's just been the way that it's been where if you catch persecution uh, you know and 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 in fear for their lives in their home countries that they have to go before a quote unquote uh, trained 
uh, asylum judge, or and it doesn't mean judges in have to be sworn in like right. with black robe and all, but just a, a you know agents who are specifically trained to make these uh, uh, assertions or, or these uh, these uh, uh, analyses, whatever you want to call them, uh, to determine whether or not they're credible or not. And so he's simply saying we just create more of those and we put them in the field, we put them out there, you know, and when people turn themselves in, they can be that determining uh, judge, if you will, right on the spot. So I, I think people are just trying to think outside the box. How can we speed things up rather than taking two to five years to get before one of these trained judges let's train a hell of a lot more of them and put them in the field yeah you know what's funny though i mean just quickly and then you know want to move on but uh so we when we were negotiating the the shutdown deal we were talking about things like this saying hey look fine let's can we agree that we want a fast process that we don't want people just sitting in limbo forever can we at least agree on that um and so we pitched let's get more judges let's do uh, more detention that's all that all of that was rejected um and so that that gives you a sense of of where the priorities are um for the other side and and i i hate to say that because i went into this thinking to myself surely uh what i'm seeing on tv won't reflect the the actual negotiation surely there are people who say with a rational mind you know what this is a this is a crisis there are things we need to do we should have it the system smoother it should be more sensical and that's not at all what we saw. What, what we saw, even up until the very last minute, were pushes to reduce our ability to process these claims, thereby pushing more illegal immigrants into the country. That was all the way down to the very last minute. And I, I turned to my chief at one point and I said, I'm honestly shocked. I, I really didn't think that it would be this ridiculous uh, when it comes to what the other side wants on an immigration front. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, they have been emboldened by something, and I don't know what, uh, to, to go further than they, they've ever gone before. Congressman, I mean, that's how bad it is. You know, one of your former colleagues, you know, a former uh, representative uh, who's now a candidate for president, Robert Francis O'Rourke, says, not only do I not want a wall built, I want to take down the existing walls and barriers that there are so that it's a more free-flowing border. And then former Representative Luis Gutierrez said, we need to have every major city in the United States become massive welcoming centers for thousands and thousands and thousands of illegals and refugees and asylum seekers coming to this country. I mean, Congressman, you know, I hate to be hyperbolic here, but you and the other Republicans in the Congress are literally fighting for our American sovereignty because your colleagues on the other side of the aisle literally want to erase it. I mean, I think it is that large. They want to erase sovereignty and erase borders. Congressman, you still with us? Hello? Did I lose you? Con- Congressman, can you hear me? Oh, there you are. I, I okay, yeah, don't don't know what happened. Yeah, if you're on the move, we maybe you hit a dead zone there. Sorry about that. But uh, at any no, rate, no, I, I, I did hear I did hear your point though, and I I okay. uh, I agree. With, I'll say this <laughs> with with Beto O'Rourke, at least he's consistent. If nothing, I mean that's the like that's the uh, you know walls are a moral argument, which I just for the last of me can't understand. Um, but. My whole thing when I kept hearing what was or more, I said, okay, so then you surely are for tearing down every barrier everywhere, right? Uh, because if that wall's immoral, then so are all the other ones. That's um, right. And, uh, and at least Beto's consistent. Uh, I think he's crazy, <laughs> but at, at least at least he's consistent. Um, so 
That was yeah consistent was in his desire to erase American sovereignty, and that's that's the that's yeah. the thing. Like I said, that you guys are fighting against, uh, Congressman. I want to pivot to something else if I can before you go because this is this is pretty important. Uh, there was a uh, uh, there was a an Obamacare resolution uh, that you voted on recently that uh, may have opened a few eyes or raised a few eyebrows anyway by a vote of two hundred forty to one eighty six. House Democrats approved a non binding resolution on Wednesday. Uh, condemning the the Trump administration's uh, um, uh, for ta- administration for taking a federal appeals court or asking rather a federal appeals court to strike down Obamacare. Um, obviously, this is a non-binding resolution, so it doesn't mean a whole lot. But you didn't vote against that resolution; you voted present. Can you tell us why? Yes. Um, so we I've been here now for three months, and almost twenty percent of the votes that I've taken have been non-binding resolutions uh, that basically do nothing. So all they are, if I could summarize them, they are the uh, Donald Trump's Amini uh, uh, bills. I mean, that's all it, like one thing after another. If the, if the Democrats don't like something that the president did, they put a resolution on the floor where we condemn, you know, anything. And I just said, this is ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about health care. Last I checked, uh, most Americans still aren't pleased with their health care. And we still don't have an answer to it. So if we want to talk about health care, which I would love to do, let's actually debate it. Let's actually put legislation on the floor that would change the law, make the American people's lives better, bring our health care costs down, span access. I mean, these are things that, that we should be talking about. These are important things. And instead of doing that, we waste an entire day debating these meaningless resolutions. I mean, they literally don't do anything. They could pass. You know, 435 to zero, the president could sign them. It wouldn't change a thing. Uh, and so I finally said, you know what? I'm done with these resolutions. I'm just not. You can put them, you can put them on the floor every day for the rest of my, my time in Congress, and I'm going to continue voting president until you start putting bills on the floor that actually could become law and would actually improve the lives of the American people. That's what I want to vote on. That's what I want to debate on. That's what I want to fight for. To that end, um, will there be any movement towards something that you can actually vote on that would be a bill and not a non-binding resolution? Because the president said a couple of days ago, uh, yeah, we're going to wait to come up with the GOP's uh, outstanding version of health care for everybody until after the 2020 election. So are we just cooling our jets on this for the next two years? Uh, it looks like it. I mean, I, I'm not personally. So, I mean, I'll tell you what I'm doing. So. When I ran, I was frustrated that um, I didn't think that the GOP had put together a health care proposal uh, that worked and that, that we could pass into law. And so um, I'm here now in Congress kind of looking for the same thing. And, and it basically said, you know what, I'll take it on myself. Uh, I'll, I'll sit down with anybody who wants to talk about health care, uh, every single doctor, patient group, a constituent, doesn't matter who it is. Uh, I want info. I want insight. I want to hear from people on what's bothering about the healthcare system that we can actually uh, fix and, and, again, bring the cost down, make lives better for the American people. That's what I want to do. So I'm working uh, to build a plan of my own that, that I'll present myself, um, hopefully alongside of some other folks. Uh, you know, a one-man army in Congress doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, so, uh, But that's, that's what I want to do because I think it's important. I mean, it's, it's the number one issue uh, when I talk to constituents every day is, is, hey, what are you doing on health care? Um, and, and I know for sure that what the Democrats want, Medicare for all, uh, won't work. It's, it'll be way too expensive. Uh, and it's a bad idea. I just, for the life of me, I mean, Bob, look, I'm a, a new father. I have an 11-month-old. Uh, my wife and I and our son 
the healthcare plan that we need should look a lot different from my dad's plan. My dad's uh, nearing the Medicare age. And so, you know, why would we want the same plan? Why would we even want Medicare for all? Forget the fact that we can't afford it, but why would you mm-hmm. even want it? Um, because I, I don't. I want a plan that works for me and my wife and my son. I want you to have a plan that works for you and your family and my, my dad and mom to have, have plans that work for them. And, and Medicare for all wouldn't do that. Um, and so, uh, so that's, that's kind of the perspective I'm coming from. So I said, okay, I know, I, I know that's terrible. I, know I don't want that. Uh, but what should I be doing? Uh, and what, what can I put forth? And so I'm going to do that. Uh, well ahead of the 2020 election. I don't, can't tell you when exactly, but certainly ahead of it so that folks can look at it and bet it for themselves. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that, and I respect that, and I hope you are able to do that. And you're 100% right. I, you know, we, should, we, we shouldn't all have the same exact health care because we're at different stages of life, different stages of health, and so on and so forth. So I completely agree. Last thing before you, Jet, can you do any of that or anything else regarding actual legislation right now, given the fact that the majority party and the majority uh, or, or the chairman of all of the different committees uh, are not interested in legislation as they just pursue 100% investigation? They're demanding that. Mueller report. You're going to get it in about what? What's today? The fifth. So 10 days you're going to get it. And they're going to spend all of their time dissecting every single word, trying to find a way to impeach the president. Can you guys get anything done while this is going on? We can. I mean, I'll tell you that that'll dominate the headlines, right? I mean, that's, um, and I I actually, I agree with the president's take. It doesn't matter what they see. They're going to keep digging and digging and digging. Um, and so there, there's nothing that's going to satisfy their desire to impeach and investigate this president. And nothing. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, that's what we're going to be dealing with all the way through the next election, through the 2020 election. Um, in the meantime, though, there are issues kind of if you take a step off of the real hot button. Um, so take a step off of immigration, step off of health care um, and, and go into Call, I don't know if you want to call them second tier, but just not the issues that dominate the headlines. Right. I do think you'll see progress. I think you'll see progress on opioids. I think you'll see progress on prescription drugs. Uh, I think you'll see progress on some uh, money laundering issues inside of the Financial Services Committee that I'm on, uh, which which would help curb the opioid uh, drug dealers. And so you'll see things like that. Um, and hopefully we will also get some trade deals done. If we can get the China deal done, uh, that would be unbelievable. I mean, that would just be fantastic because they are, in my estimation, the biggest existential threat we face as a nation and as a world uh, because they're trying to basically expand economically throughout the whole world and export their values and their communist system right alongside of it. That would be terrible for, for us and for everybody else. Um, and so if, if we can put a good trade deal together that puts them in check uh, and makes them behave like you know good actors – That'll be the most important thing uh, of the whole year, in, in my opinion, of the things that I would put in the possible bucket, because um, there's a lot of things that, you're right, this, these investigations are going to go on, and it's yeah. just going to frustrate everybody to no end. Well, Congressman uh, Anthony Gonzalez, I really appreciate your time and your candor on all of this stuff today. There's a lot of work to be done. I hope you guys can actually get some of it done. But first, of course, you're going to have to get that report and then curl up like you got a good novel, right, in, uh, in the easy chair next to the yeah. fireplace and read 400 pages of Mueller investigation. I'm sure you're looking forward yeah. to that. Maybe the next time yeah. we can talk, you can give us your impression on that, all right? Absolutely. Congressman, uh, thanks very much. Keep up the good work, sir. Thank you. Take care. You got it. That's Congressman Anthony Gonzalez on AM 1420. The answer will be back after this. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. 
You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Alatrin. All right, 957, short segment coming. Obviously, uh, we went a little longer with uh, Congressman Gonzalez, but I thought it was a good conversation. Let me squeeze in uh, a couple of uh, phone calls. Uh, Let's go to Rick in Lorraine. Rick, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Good morning. Go ahead, sir. Hey, I was thinking about what you talked about yesterday with Trump lying about his father being born in Germany. I think he's just having fun. I I think he's just teasing us a little bit. He's not just making America great again. He's making America fun again. He's not just a stuffed suit politician. Well, he's definitely not that. You're right about that. He's made that very clear. He's not a stuffed suit. Uh, He is a character. He's a personality unlike anything we've ever seen before. But there are some things... That you, you know, this isn't this isn't a, a a fun conversation when you've made this the centerpiece of your presidency, and your centerpiece is you know uh, stopping the flow of drugs from coming across our border that are killing thousands and thousands of people. To then just, I mean, do you think he's just having fun by saying we'll give them a year and we'll and 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 then we'll deal with uh, whatever Mexico doesn't do right? I mean, that doesn't sound like a thing to be joking about. Do you? To me, does it? To you? No, that is a serious problem. Uh, I, I did hear that uh, one solution is to legalize, to provide opiates for the people addicted to them. They did a study well, with with rats that they gave them opiates and put them in a cage, and they kept taking opiates until they died. But yeah, they well, gave there, the rats- there are there are there are legal injection centers that are popping up in cities and communities all over the country that are a source of great. You know, controversy, obviously, but they're basically saying we can at least control them, let them shoot up here and in these safe environments. Then they're not going to go out there and hurt other people and rob other people to get money. We'll provide them with the drugs and we'll provide them with the opportunities to do these things that will eventually kill them. I don't know if that's exactly what you're referring to, but it's obviously very controversial. Uh, Let me get out now because I want to get to our news. And on the other side of our news, I've got a conversation that you're going to want to hear. Yesterday we told you the story loosely, of the Lyceum, which, of course, is a Catholic uh, institution, a classical education school in South Euclid that has filed a federal lawsuit against the city of South Euclid for violation of religious liberty, restriction of religious liberty. I'll let her tell the story and get some very important information to you coming up right here on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flint. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.